The following program is a paid presentation. The views and or opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of Starnes Media Group or KWAM. Jim Shoemaker, David Rochester, Scott Jordan, and Michael Powell are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern is always money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Welcome to Talk Money. Well, this morning we have got a program designed that really is going to be very informational because it's it, it's important the day-to-day as you deal with your money, things that you're thinking about, whether it's your 401k, whether it's just principles of investing, we're going to talk about subjects that really do apply to your day-to-day walk through this financial world. One of the subjects is going to be how do we go about giving back? All three of my guests today are certified financial planners or retirement income certified professionals. The reality is we've got the experts here in the studio to help with your questions that you've asked, and we're going to go through those very, very quickly. Now, reminding you, let me just say this. If you do have a question, you can send a question to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. That's talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to a podcast. Just search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker, subscribe to the podcast, and leave us a review. My guest, let me just lay it out. They're, they're important guys that I thoroughly enjoy having on the program because of their knowledge. We're going to start off with talking with David Rochester about taking charge of your 401k. Scott Jordan is going to help us know to how to do, go about doing some charitable giving here at the end of the year as we prepare for taxes. But most importantly, has we as a city give back to our city. We are one of the top five in giving, and so we want to make sure that you understand some things that you might not be aware of, and we'll talk about those with Scott Jordan. And then Michael Powell is going to wrap it up with some fundamentals when it comes to just principles of personal finance, understanding what investing is all about and why you do it. That's the lineup for the show. You want to stay with us. But before I get into that, guys, I, you know, I have to just do this. This is about, I just found this to be extremely important. I mean, this is talking about Mr. Elon Musk. You know the guy, okay? You heard of him before. Everybody kind of knows who he is. He has just crossed a milestone in his life, and it's not his third or fourth wife we're talking about. That would be a milestone. <laughs> this is this is about his net worth. It is now at $255.2 billion. He's the first U.S. first person, I think, in the world to have exceeded 200. He's the first American. Let me correct that. He's the first American. Forbes says it is. $255.2 billion. He's the first to reach that ex, you know, the excessive amount of $250 billion. billion. Now, let me put that in perspective, guys. It's staggering. (laughs) I can't say it any other way. If this individual, Mr. Musk, decided he wanted to spend $10 million a day, I need everybody, $10 million a day, he could consume $250 billion of his net worth in 68 and a half years. Wow. 
<laughs> well, okay. You know, I mean, David, I wonder if he has a 401k plan. Jim, I don't think he needs a 401k plan. <laughs> ten, ten million a day. David Rochester, welcome to the program. Good he is morning. A retired income certified specialist. So, David, help us with that. What What do you think about this idea? I mean, obviously, Mr. Musk doesn't have to worry about whether he's got a 401k plan, but a lot of people do. What's the important thing they need to be thinking about today when it comes to their 401k? Well, I think one of the main things is is make sure you're funding it properly. You know, take advantage of it when you've got it with your employer. Put money in the plan. When you say put money in the plan, does that mean, you know, that, that the contributions? Is it your contribution? Do you also see the employer putting contributions? Yes, both. You know, generally, you're going to see that when there's an employer-sponsored 401k, that the employer is going to put in some money. It could be matching dollars. It could be what we call non-elective, where the employer is just putting the money in. But in order to really get the most power out of that plan, an employee should be deferring part of their own income in. They can do it on a tax-deductible basis, and then some plans have a, a Roth provision where there's no tax deduction on the front end, but they'll get a tax benefit on the back end. I guess when I, you know, introduced these guys, and I said Scott Jordan, Michael Powell, Michael, when you're talking to people that deal with this personal finance mindset and the idea, how do you see people really, I mean, it, it's hard to say, and, and I know David's going to help us with this as the professional when it comes to retirement income, but you're, you as the certified financial professional, the CFP, you're talking to people about making priorities and putting money away. If they're 25 or 35, they don't think about I mean, it's like, why do I want to put this money aside now when I don't want retire for another 30 years? Oh, yeah. It's like, I live today. I make money today. I want to spend it today. I want my 65-inch television today. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really hard concept because time is un, unequivocally, unequivocally, I can't even speak. That's okay. <laughs> time <laughs> is our biggest asset. That's what I'm really <laughs> trying to say. And if that's I can, a, That's if, a good one. I'm trying to create wealth for myself 40 years from now, and it's really hard to do that when I'm putting money in my bank account or just spending it on things I probably shouldn't have. So I think to David's point, it's like start as soon as you can, take advantage of any employer match because that's money you don't have to put in, and that's less money you got to worry about later, hopefully in your plan. So when a dollar comes in from the employer, that's like a dollar that you just it just grows automatically for you. You get the benefit of compounding. So time, as Michael said, is our is our critical asset we do need to take advantage of, but the compounding of that money over time. That's what really builds the wealth, not just the amount of money you put in. All right, I want to make sure that I, and I'll cover this as we get into it, but the reality is compounding does not guarantee success, and we just need to understand that. But compounding is critical if we know how it works. Correct. Okay. Let me let me do this. I want to make sure a lot of people, as Michael's telling us to get started, we have a tendency, though, when we hit a little bump in the road, we're tempted, I'm going to call it a temptation, to cash out or borrow or, or actually when we're actually changing employers, we just cash out and say, oh, I'll start all over again. It's a good point. It seems like we've got a lot of Asians when it comes into our investments. You've got procrastination, which Michael mentioned earlier. We tend to want to wait. But then the temptation, as you said, of taking money out when we feel like there's an emergency or, or a bigger need that we feel than saving for retirement. I need it now. And that can be a costly mistake. You know, there's there's several mistakes you can make, but one is to, to cash out when there may be other means that are more effective. So 
and, and I use that because you've taken money off the table that could be growing, as we've described, but also there's taxes to take into account when you take money out of your retirement plan. And if taken too early, there could potentially be some tax penalties. So it, it almost becomes like a hole you're digging, and you, you, you're, you're not able to dig back out without a lot of effort. So let's talk about the two things that you're saying. Number one is don't hesitate to put the money in. Get started. Michael, you actually said that, like staying with that, stay, you know, get started early. Be disciplined with it. I appreciate you saying that. And then don't be tempted to, to take out the money or stop putting into the money. That's so hard for some people to do. It is. So it now, is. Let, let's talk about the, the last thing, that, the next thing I want you to discuss before we take the break. And that's this whole idea but of taking control of their financial life. That That's a big statement for some people. And 401k is sometimes something that starts when they go to work and they forget about it. That's exactly right. And, and you know, when you look at the, the national average, I believe people – uh, between when they first start working and when they stop working, they're going to they're going to change jobs sometimes over twelve times in their career careers, and it would be easy to start a four hundred one k or company retirement plan, put money in, have a balance, take a new job, and just kind of assume that the money at the old job will do what it needs to. But it's easy to lose track of it. You know, it, it may not be um, over time more suitable to your long term strategies for retirement. It could be, you know, misaligned in terms of the amount of equities to fixed income or whatever the case may be. So uh, you have to be careful about that. That's and, a good and so point. there may be, you know, ideas that you should do other than just leaving it at your former employer. Well, we've just tuned in. We're talking about 401k planning and taking charge of your 401k. And as I mentioned earlier, Mr. Musk doesn't apparently doesn't have to have one. I, I Googled it and asked him where he was 401k, and he didn't. He hasn't responded yet. So maybe maybe he doesn't have one. Considering 10 billion, 10 million a year for 68 years to spend his net worth, that's pretty good. When we come back, David, I want to understand the expenses because so many times people don't follow what their expense cost when it looks at their 401k, and that can be some of the the best expense rates as far as a good 401k managed well can actually be a perfect place to put this money. So I want to I want to talk about that when we come back. If you just tuned in, my guest today, David Rochester, retirement income certified professional. We're talking about his 401k and how to manage it, what you're looking for. Scott Jordan will come up about being a philanthropist, giving back to your community, and some things you need to know when it comes to tax planning. And Michael Powell, some principles of personal finance. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. My guests, David Rochester, Scott Jordan, and Michael Powell. We're going through this process of talking about three very important subjects, taking charge of your 401k, giving back, and using, we're going to actually talk about using some qualified money to make a charitable gift. We'll talk about what's called a donor-advised fund, too. 
And then Michael Powell is going to walk us through some very basic principles of personal finance, of investing, some things to be careful about just when you're making decisions. Now, you can find the show at any time on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. We would appreciate it. Now, let me ask you this, David. You're the professional here. You're the guy that deals with this a lot. Now, I know you got people that have changed jobs. They mean they may have the old 401k plan. They haven't allocated it properly. How often do you see that as an indicator? I mean, they just forgot about it. They just didn't think. And they, it's not. It's like they were 10 years old when they did it. It happens a lot, Jim. I'll tell you where it becomes the most obvious is, is when there's been not just a job change, but maybe a power of attorney has to step in for somebody that's kind of losing their thoughts or there's been a death. That's when it really becomes critical. So, you know, one of the things to consider there is, is that when you leave a job, you might consider rolling over that plan balance to either your new employer. Uh, you could roll it to an IRA, so that's an option. Uh, you could leave it where it was, and then under some circumstances, you could cash out. Now, that could be very costly, but the main thing is you're simplifying, and it's much easier to track what's going on when you, and I'll use the word kind of consolidate or keep everything under a close watch. And the key is is keeping it under a close watch. Explain the expenses because that sometimes can really deter the the effect of the 401k, but most of the time, reasonable expenses is what we see. Sure. So, you know, I think many times employees do not realize there's expenses involved with a 401k. Now, that's either being paid for through, you know, just an administrative cost, maybe the employer's covering some of that, uh, or it's covered in the fund expenses inside the portfolio. But there are expenses, and I think it's important that employees determine what that is and pay close attention to it. IRAs also have expenses, so don't don't think that because you move money from a 401k to an IRA, there's no expenses. There are still expenses. Don't hesitate to ask. Exactly. What get are clarity. My expenses? Yeah, you get the clarity. It. That's a, such a good piece of advice. David Rochester, retirement income professional. David, I appreciate that you're going through that. There is a PDF that we've put out for everybody that we're offering to you absolutely free. It's called Take Charge of Your 401k. If you call our ask our office and just ask to, you know, can I get a copy of it? Or you can literally just simply go online and uh, should make a Facebook page, search for the document in our post. It's free, so don't hesitate to do that. It's called Take Charge of Your 401K. I think it would be excellent information for you to have. We're offering it to you absolutely free. David, great job. Stay with us. Don't leave because I know there's other things I want to talk to you about when it comes to this idea of giving. And I want to ask Scott if to lead in with us now and talk about this, this thought of charitable giving, the ideas behind it. Scott, Certified Financial Planner, welcome to the program, sir. Great to be here, Jim. Tell us about what you're thinking. I mean, this idea behind, I've heard the comment said bunching. What is that? Well, there's a lot of techniques that you can use. You know, a lot of people have the idea of giving, giving to charities and, and really thinking about how you're going to do that and doing it smart. Now, we don't usually give in order to get the tax deduction, but it's nice to get that tax deduction. It's there for you, so you might as well take advantage of of the laws out there and allows you to probably give a little more money away. But the idea you're talking about there, bunching, that is that is one strategy that people can use. You know, when they raise the standard deduction, so now for a married filing joint couple, the standard deduction is $25,100. So 
if you don't have enough itemized deductions to get over that, it's better to take the standard deduction. Well, one idea you can do is, you know, take the money you were going to give over the next, you know, two, three years and bunch that all into one year and go ahead and give it in that one year. And that will put your itemized deductions over that standard deduction limit and allow you to get a charitable deduction for it. Would this work? I mean, there's a there's a tool called the Donor Advised Fund that we use a lot in the office. And we talk about it. And it's amazing how many people don't know what a donor advised fund is. Explain that. And I'm assuming bunching really works. That's perfect. Perfect example. Perfect lead in. And I was actually going to talk about that. That's great, Jim. When you think of a donor advised fund, think of it as kind of a a container to hold your charitable contributions until you're ready to give them away. Now, a donor advised fund is usually set up with a foundation or another donor advised fund administrator. And it will allow you to take a large chunk of money, like say, I want to take, you know, the next two, three, five, ten years worth of donations and put them into this donor advised fund and you get the entire deduction for that year that you donate the money into the fund. Immediately? Immediately for that year. Okay. And now you can um, take your time as far as advising that foundation on what charities you would like to give that money to. So you can, you know, I use the, the three words, give, grow, grant. So you, you give the money to the donor advised fund. It can actually be invested. So you can actually invest that money and, and grow that money. And then you can make um, um, advise that foundation of grants that they can make out of that donor advised fund over time. All right. The key to it is you bunch the things together right. if you need to for right. your tax deduction. And yeah. that's that's important. That's good financial planning. Absolutely. Absolutely. And putting it into a donor advised fund, where would I go to set up a donor advised fund? Most uh, foundations have them. Any of the local foundations, there's a lot of the larger church organizations that will have donor advised funds. Um, and then there's there's more regional or, or national donor advised fund foundations that are out there. Um, there's uh, Many of the investment companies can direct you to a place that will have a donor advised fund. Uh, you do want to do a little research about the, the place where you're holding those funds because, again, you're advising them over, on where to make those grants. Technically, it is a given gift at that time. There's no pulling that money back. So okay. once you give it to the fund... It's a gift, and you can advise that foundation where to give that. So you want to make sure that uh, the values of the foundation you're giving that money to are aligned with yours so that when you go to make a distribution to a charity, they're not going to say, uh uh-uh, we don't like that we one. We don't so, like that one. Yeah. We're going to do something. And, and we've seen that happen with clients that we've worked with. So okay. it's very important to make sure that you have a values alignment with that. All right, so I make the de- donation into a donor advised fund. Yep. Will they accept a complex gift like real estate or stock or something like that? Or what about just gifting real estate or stock? It Yes, it, yes and no. Uh, you have to make sure that you're dealing with an organization that has the ability to accept something like that. And that's with any time you're given a complex asset, which, by the way, that's a good asset to give away if you're looking to give away some money. Say you have business interests or real estate or something along those lines that, that you have a huge gain in. Yeah. Uh, individual stocks, another one, appreciated securities. Um, but you do have to make sure that the organization you're giving it to has the administrative wherewithal to handle those types of donations and they're able to liquidate them. Now, basically, by giving that appreciated asset to the charity, Instead of selling it and giving the money, you give the appreciated asset to the charity, and they're able to sell it without realizing those capital gains. So not only do you get the tax deduction for the value of the asset you're giving, but you're also avoiding the, the capital gains on that asset. So we're talking about donor advice fund, mm-hmm. and you're asking – got to do the research. you got to ask right. the questions. Right. 
and start with just picking up the phone and calling the charitable organizations yeah. here in the city or asking a financial planner like yourself, yes. yeah. you know, get some do advice that. To, but just, to help just ask that. around, have you ever done this and see who's done that? And, and most donor advised funds can accept appreciated securities is when you get into more like the business interest or maybe a complicated real estate dealing that you do want to make sure you're dealing with an organization that can handle that if that's what you're looking to do. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So we're covering a very complex subject, but yet not so complex that you can't at least move to it. And I want you to keep thinking about that. Donor advice fund, bunching things together to get the maximum type you know, type of write-off, and also doing the complex ideas of buying, you know, making an investment, you know, from something that's complex, such as real estate or or maybe something that you've had a lot of appreciation from it. When we come back, I want to dive into this particular idea, and this is something that, Scott, I really want to talk about. I know that you can now do qualified charitable distributions from retirement assets, and that's critical. I really, really, truly, I think a lot of people need to know about that, want to dive into it and talk about it. If you just tuned in, I'm Jim Shoemaker. I have three guests in the studio, Scott Jordan, David Rochester, Michael Powell. We're covering some very important subjects. You don't want to miss it. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific situation. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker, David Rochester, Scott Jordan, and Michael Powell are my guests this morning, and we are going through some very serious conversation about things you need to know. We've just finished a conversation talking about taking charge of your 401k. If you would like to pick up that PDF, you can go to Shoemaker Financial Facebook page, search for the document. It's in our post. It's absolutely free. It's entitled Take Charge of your 401k. We wrote it, got it put together for you, and I think you'll find it to be extremely valuable as you think about what to do for your 401k. Now, we're talking with Scott Jordan about what Scott giving back, philanthropy, the idea about, you know, taking care of our community. You've mentioned the donor advised fund. You mentioned bunching things together to put together, you know, to make the maximum tax write-off that you can, giving away things like uh, highly appreciated real estate or stock. These are complex gifts. Very important. But there is something that I, I think has really gotten a lot of popularity recently, not just popularity, but it has become a very effective way for those people that are having to take or taking their RMD. And I really want you to talk about that. That's that idea behind a qualified charitable distribution. Explain it to us. Well, this this goes back to, remember, we were talking earlier about the, the raising of the standard deductions. Now, again, with a married couple, with the standard deduction being $25,100, a lot of people don't either give away enough or have any more itemized deductions to really get a benefit from their charitable contribution. So the qualified charitable distribution is a way that if you're giving away money, especially if you're having to take RMDs and you're not really needing the money, you can take money out of your IRA and any individual can do up to $100,000 a year. You can send that money directly from your IRA to the charity. Now, it's important that it does it's done that way. You can't get the money and give it to your charity. It has to be sent directly to the charity. 
and it never hits your adjusted gross income. So rather than that money hitting your adjusted gross income, you having to do the itemized deductions to get the deductions, it never hits your adjusted gross income. So it reduces that. So you get the tax benefit of giving that money to that charity. We do a lot of these. Uh, it makes all the sense in the world. Now you have to be over 70 and a half in order to do a qualified charitable distribution. So you have to be Basically, under the old RMD rules, as you know, they raised the age to 72. They did not change the QCD age, though. It's still 70 and a half. You can do a qualified charitable distribution. It's a great way to take advantage of that tax One of the questions that we got when we talked about this the last time, and I think it was important that people, I mean, we need to explain this. You don't have to give all of your RMD. You can give any portion of your RMD. If you need some of it as income, that's fine. But if you know you're going to make a distribution or contribution to a charity, any portion of your RMD. And that's a great that's a great point. Um, If you're if you're giving away money anyway. Right. And you're taking money out of your IRA as income for any reason, whether it's an RMD or just taking money for income, you're better off doing the QCD because, again, it never hits your adjusted gross income. So, you know, it it makes a lot more sense than taking the withdrawal out of the IRA, getting the money, getting taxed on it and then giving the money away. Why not send it directly to the charity? Now, I just think it makes all the sense in the world. Um, and the with the new standard deductions, I think we've seen an increase in people wanting to do that. You're giving more and you're spending less. That's true. That's a great point, that's Michael. A, that's a great point. Coin that. I have a, I'll write that down. That's a great idea. Uh, now, let me ask you this. Is, there, is it a qualified? I mean, how do you kind of just... Is it picking a qualified charity? It's do you have to. Make it, sure? it has to be a five hundred one c three charity. Okay, yes, so it, it does. Be, it does has to qualify as a five hundred one c three. It can't give it to David. David would like that. <laughs> yeah, but I'm uh, accepting all. Da- QCs. David says it can be. Him. He was He's, looking for Leon Musk to send him. You know, Leon. Right. I mean Leon. <laughs> I have two kids in college. <laughs> I am a charity. I have two kids in college. <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, you, you are. are. Yes, you are a public charity. All right, guys. Now we've covered some very specific things when it comes to taking charge of your four hundred one k. Some very critical thoughts when it comes to giving back. I mean, the idea behind a donor advice fund, so critical, so important, and then knowing that you can do a qualified charitable distribution. Anything else, Scott, that it falls into this area that we need to make sure everybody's aware of and needs to be sensitive to? I just want to back up. We kind of hit on this, but, you know, a lot of people don't think about giving away appreciated stock. It's amazing how many people uh, kind of forget about that. But if you have a taxable investment account that has large gains in it, again, if you're already giving away money anyway, why not do it a little smarter and start to unload some of those gains by gifting those appreciated stock? It's a, it's a very easy concept. Most charities can do that. You do have to make sure that your charitable organization can accept those appreciated shares, but most that we deal with have have the ability set up to do that. I think it's a great way to give away money. That's a great thought. You know, the donor advice fund brings, can you can actually bring the family in. You don't have Absolutely. to have the expense of doing a full-blown charity. Right. I don't I don't know of a limit that you, you know, where they says you cannot put as much as you want to into a donor advice fund, but you said it. It, you really have to understand your donor advising. Right. You're not right. actually. It's not a family foundation. That's expensive. Not a you know a, you know a charitable organization that you've established. It's not. And I think that's important for people to know. You're you're actually tagging on to a charity. Right. And saying, right. I want to set this up. I want to teach my children, my grandchildren. It's got part of that legacy for anybody who says, we've been givers. We want to continue to be givers. 
We are establishing this to do that. We have people doing that. And I do think that's a great teaching tool, like you said, to bring the family in. We've coordinated a lot of meetings with families talking about the donor-advised funds, and people get excited about that. It's very it's very fun for the whole family to get involved and talk about, okay, here's this money. What are we going to do with it this year? Where are we going to send this money? Where can we have the greatest impact? Well, so that is so critical, and it leads me to the next person that we're going to bring in to continue to educate, educate us. Hiding your money under your mattress <laughs> could be an investment strategy. The reality, you know, we have the parable that the Lord was teaching us in Matthew and the whole idea and Luke and the whole idea behind, you know, go and invest. And then one guy says, no, I'm going to bear it in the backyard. And the Lord was not pleased with that. Well, we don't think hiding your money in the, in the mattress, even though some people would consider that an investment strategy, it's probably not a good idea. Michael Powell, certified financial planner, help us understand why that's not a good idea. I definitely would. That would be a lumpy bed, <laughs> lumpy by bed. the way. Yes, it would. Not only would it hurt your financial you know, picture, I, it would hurt your back. This, so i got to tell you be, be honest. Let me tell you this. I had a call one time. And says, my mom, this was a lady, was a client. She says, my mom is bringing in some money that she had saved. You remember me telling you this before. And uh, they call. They're from West Tennessee. They, and they said, Jim, you're going to need somebody to count the money. And I'm thinking, okay. Uh, and they said, well, how much? Well, we're not sure, but it's a lot. And so I said, okay, I'll have a counter. We called a bank. I don't know why they wouldn't take it to the bank. They wanted us to, they trusted us first. Not that they didn't trust banks. They came in. It came in in the back of their car. In cigar boxes, it was over $250,000. It smelled. It had been. <laughs> but now, this lady had gone through the Depression, and this was her. She was hiding it in the mattress and in the upstairs underneath the uh, floor plane. I mean, she had it all over the house. If the house had caught on fire, oh. literally that. But that was a sense of mindset. So, okay, Michael. Wow. Yeah, wow is what I said. That's an amazing story. We had to actually have somebody to come in with a with a. Actually, when we found out how much it was, we got the armored truck to just take. We just couldn't take a chance. I mean, they drove from the city they're from. I'm not going to tell you where they're from, but uh, it was a it was an interesting experience. Uh, and we did it and put it on the conference table and stacks and stacks and stacks and this, we kept a couple of cigar boxes just as a memento. So wow, it's amazing. Yeah, but Michael, you say that's not a good strategy. No. What would you start with? I, I mean, I think investing in general. We think of investing of a lot of different things. I'm investing in my health, business, finances, all that stuff. But I think it allows us to build some potential wealth down the road, whether it's for us, charities, uh, family, but particularly a lot of people invest for retirement. And I think that's really important. And whether you're 45 or 25, and we t- I talked about at the beginning of the show, time's your biggest asset. It's not too late to start at 45 if you haven't done that. But I think it's important to know why it is important. Well, explain it to us. Why is it important to do that, you know, start early? I think the big thing to realize is if if I started early, I'll give you an example. If I started at 20, let's say I'm 25. I'm not 25, but if I did, and I started saving $10,000 annually, just $10,000 a year for 20 years, and assuming my growth rate is 8%, I could very well land at 500,000 by the time I'm 45. Okay. In that case. Okay. Which is. A significant amount of money. 20 years, that's significant. And I'm not retired yet, or at least I can't retire off of that, but that's a significant value. If I only did that for 10 years, that may produce me only 156,000. The same same amount, 10,000 a year, I only did it for 10 years, same growth rate, 8%. 
That's only 156. How does it go up that much more over another 10 years? I think it's that term that David mentioned earlier, compound interest. It's crazy. It because if I just put 10000 away for 20 years, that's only 200000 Yeah. So I had more money working for me in that case over time than I did today. And I think that's a huge thing to remember. That's so critical. I just want to remind everybody, this is these are hypothetical examples that are not representative of any type of specific situation. So understand that your results, if you were doing this, may vary. And the hypothetical rates or return used do not reflect the deduction of fees and charging and you know interest rates or you know anything that's inherent to investing. Just keep that in mind. But it's a great example if you just put it together. Now, when we come back, I really want to walk through this idea of you use the term establish a balance, and that Michael, I think so. So many people, it's almost like it's all three of us are talking about that today. Four of us are talking about just being balanced. And Ecclesiastes tells us to be balanced in our investing, knowing and and diversifying. And of course, diversifying doesn't guarantee success, but it's a part of establishing balance. When we come back, that's what Michael Powell will dive into us to help us understand it. If you just tuned in. I've been talking with Michael Powell. That's who we're talking with now. Scott Jordan about donor advice funds. Really great subject. And David Rochester and literally taking charge of your 401k. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. My guest today, Scott Jordan, David Powell, and David Rochester. David Powell, <laughs> Michael Powell, and David Rochester. Hey, guys, I'm just doing the best I can, you know, one day at a time. But, uh, no, let me do this again. David Rochester, Scott Jordan, and Michael Powell are all here. We're going through some very important information for you. It's based on questions that you've asked, and we put the program together to answer those questions. It started out, we talked about your 401K plan and some things you needed to know. Then how about giving and the end-of-year giving, donor advice funds, bunching things together, making sure you're getting the absolute best tax write-off that you can if you're looking for that type. And Michael Powell is currently just walking us through some principles of just personal finance. And Michael, you very effectively said, don't wait, start early. And you know, if we could line up 25 and 30-year-olds to realize that and say, guys, just, just make it a disciplined approach, Boy, they would finish up a whole lot better, but we don't do that. If I had a dollar for every time someone came in my office at 45, 55 and said, man, I wish I would have talked to you 10 years earlier or 15 years earlier, I would probably you could retire. be able to buy your firm. <laughs> I don't know. Absolutely. <laughs> Maybe Absolutely. Not. What but, about the idea behind the biggest topic on a lot of people's mind today? In fact, somebody just called yesterday and asked about it. I want you to kind of dive into the idea behind inflation and being disciplined with investing. Oh, yeah. You could say right now that putting money in the mattress like your like <laughs> cigar boxes, cigar boxes, <laughs> yeah. whatever it is that's not in somewhere earning some sort of interest long term it's a losing proposition. Because if you think about the way inflation works, I mean, it's averaging around 3% long-term. I know it's a little bit higher this year, which makes people freak out just a little bit. Just a little bit. I mean, used cars, yeah, you know, oh, electronics, yeah. anything yeah. else like that. But I would say if I had, you know, $100,000, that could turn into $54,000 of purchasing power just over 20 years if inflation's only at 3%. I'm going to say that again. I have $100,000 20 years from now, if I just didn't even make more than 3% or even 0%, 
I'm only be able to spend fifty-four thousand. So my purchasing power is cut in half in twenty years. I don't think people think about that. I think it, it's kind of like you know, it's there. They realize it, but it's not happening to me. But it, yet, that's a problem that everybody faces. Oh yeah, year over year, it's not a big deal. Uh, 10, 15, 20 years out, it can be a huge deal. And that's why even if you're at 55, 65, you're looking to retire soon, you got your 401k and you're like, man, I can't afford for this thing to go down. You can't afford this thing to go, I mean, not go up. Yeah. If you, you think you, about it that you way. You got to have it invested. Being in the mattress or a cigar box is not a good place. No, it's not. Let's talk about the idea behind, and I mean, I can remember talking with this lady and the reality, and I totally understand it, she was from the Depression. She grew up in the Depression. She understood the Depression. And so her fear was the banks are going to go out of business. Uh, the investments are going to you know, go completely away. So she put it where she thought was the safe place to put it. The reality, it may have been safe for a moment, but how do people get around that fear of the dramatic downturns that happen in the market? I think you got to establish a balance. I and mean, I don't say a balance like an account balance. I mean just a balance in what you're investing in. Because we look at a 401k or you're signing up for that, you see 30, 40 different options. That could be super overwhelming to someone. And the, everyone usually just randomly picks one and hopes that's the best one for them. But a lot of times you'll see different categories on there, assets I can own. And we talk about it all the time, don't put all your money in one basket. You're basically just diversifying and putting more things into different assets like stocks, bonds, cash, et cetera. And the more balanced you are, typically, the lesser of a fluctuation you see in your account. But, of course, we don't know. That's not always guaranteed, as we know. Uh, it's not guaranteed, but the reality is what you're saying is uh, don't put all your chickens in one basket. Don't put all your money under one basket. Oh, those eggs. Oh, those <laughs> eggs. We put the chickens in the basket now. <laughs> <laughs> Getting hey, last I like that one too, though. Well, that was too. You know, that's that. What, what did you cut first, chicken or the egg? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> but all right, guys. Now here's the thought. You're talking about balance. You're talking about kind of controlling emotions. And I mean, literally, David, you talked about saving for retirement, getting involved. Michael, you talked about get ahead of the game. Don't wait so long. Establishing the balance. But the idea behind regular contributions, doing it from a disciplined approach, Scott. Yeah, I think that, you know, being a, I always talk about being a percentage giver, a percentage liver, you know, you decide what percentage you want to give away and do it on a regular basis, you know, decide what percentage you're going to save and do it on a regular basis, and then you can live on the rest. That's the percentage living. So I think having that mindset of those goals and, and having those percentages in your mindset and being disciplined about it helps with a lot of things. It helps with that procrastination and getting started on that investing. Uh, you know, knowing knowing how much that you want to give, if if that's important to you, if it's important that you give away money, do it on a regular basis. Do it consistently. It's good for the organizations and it's good for you. I think the li I like the idea of being disciplined. I like about making an approach. And and I guess I'm thinking, David, both of you, when I think 401k, and Michael, when I think about just understanding the principles, the finances. Let me let me make sure that I get this. Taking the a right amount of risk, whether it's in your 401k or just your investment program, for some people is extremely difficult. Yes, it is because we all look at the past decades of 2008s, the 2000s, the 80s crashes, all the things that I wasn't alive for. 
or at least behind. Oh, behind. There it, is. The, there it is. The 2020s? Yeah, yeah the 20. No, <laughs> no, you were here for that one, weren't you? Oh, I was here for that. No, I think it's, you know, people look back on those past events and they see what happened to certain people with their investments and they're like, I don't want to be like that, so I shouldn't take any risk whatsoever. But you got to take calculated risk. And of course, we, we talk about risk all the time. The market's going to go down. We know that. If you understand that on the front end, it's going to be a whole lot easier for you to invest for the long term. But every time we've gone through these cycles, we know that the market has recovered. It's set new highs at some point down the road. So if you can keep that mindset going as you're putting money in consistently, in my 20s, I'm not so concerned about it. When I get older, maybe a little bit. You know, I think that's a great point, Michael. And what you're pointing out is the short-term pain. We, we feel pain when the market goes down. But we shouldn't just dwell on that because we've got to think about the upside. Mm-hmm. By staying in there long term, getting started early, as you said, that's how we're going to grow money, yeah. whether, it's, whether it's in an interest-paying account or something that grows in value. Bottom line is we've got inflation we've got to deal with. We need to be disciplined. We need to understand. Take the amount of risk that you're going to take. I, I, like, I like what you're saying. And then the fact that you start early, using compound interest, even though we don't always say that's not the, you know, the perfect scenario, but it is what we do. Use that. Start early. I have one last question, Michael. Very important. Emotions. How do you deal with that? You've got to take emotion out of it. And that's easier said than done, but... It's better to just understand on the front end that we know that money's emotional. It's pretty much our breathing air when it comes to financial planning. We have to have it in order to live. And if you could put it in the context of at least either giving that burden on someone else, a professional, someone to help you handle that, or at least being understanding on how things and how investments work, it'll be a lot less emotional for you if you can understand those principles. But... You know, we can't all control our emotions the same way. It's easier said than done. It's easier we'll be, said than done. Know, for sure. The only thing I would add to that is to stay focused on the goal. Don't don't focus on what's going on in the markets That's or good. the interest rates or inflation. Stay focused on your goal, whether it's retirement or sending your kids to college. Whatever that may be, that's that's what you got to focus on. Scott, you always call that the why. I call it the why, and we always say it: asset allocation, diversification, and rebalance. It's it doesn't simple. guarantee it's it, not, but it sure it's helps. It's not complicated, but it it, it works. Well, I want to thank my guests, David Rochester, Michael Powell, and Scott Jordan. If you have questions for these guys, just give them a call at 901-757-5757. Guys, thanks so much for being here today. To find a copy of the PDF that I mentioned earlier, well, there's one. Take charge of your 401k, and Michael's got one. Seven Principles of Long-Term Investing. Just simply go to the Shoemaker Financial Facebook page, search for the document on our post, and it's absolutely free. Don't hesitate to do that. You can find our show, Talk Money, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. We would appreciate it. Next week, Tiff Tiffany Bowders will be here talking about estate planning and the facts that you need to know. Dane Williams, charitable giving. Don't want to miss that. I mean, Christmas is coming, and he wants to talk some more about that. That's Wednesdays and Saturday mornings right here on KWAM, the mighty 990. Don't hesitate to send us a question if you got it. Talk money at shoemakerfinancial.com. Thanks for listening. We're here every week helping you. Make the most of your money. Scott Jordan and Michael Powell are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.